0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio, this is your host Jim Ventura, thank you for joining me today If it's your first time catching the show live or on our archives I'll tell you a little bit about me and then we'll kind of dive into our topic today Again, my name is Jim Ventura I am a professional astrologer and numerologist And I do read tarot and a number of other different types of oracles, runestones, animal cards I do a form of life coaching that I've been doing for many years, and I do use oracles to do that uh, with. I have a uh, a home office and have actually been doing uh, uh, counseling work professionally for uh, almost 20 years now. And uh, I'm also a published author. Uh, I've got two books published, Snake Oil Volume 1, which is a collection of the first uh, four years of my column, and uh, Dirty Little Secrets, which was my first book uh, that was published back in 2007. Uh, both of those books are available on Amazon, and once I get my uh, website updated, you can purchase them through my website. You can always contact me directly, too, and I can get you a copy of my book. Uh, they're not expensive. The books end up for like $11, $12. was a couple bucks for shipping. Anyway, uh, I do do personal sessions here in my home office. I've been doing it for years and also by phone. And uh, I've got uh, quite a few followers for my blog column. I think we've got about 900 now that receive my uh, monthly newsletter. So uh, today's show, this is our first show of the month. Happy July to everybody. Uh, One thing I will tell everyone kind of listening, this is our first show of the month, so this is my live column read. Uh, We will then talk about uh, the column, uh, get into a little bit more, more detail about the subject, uh, I will not be able to take uh, calls until about uh, a half hour through the show, so I'm going to leave us about 15 minutes toward the end for uh, callers. Uh, you, you, the reason I, with the first show of each month, that I, I prefer not to take curl, uh, callers early is because people tend to, their calls tend to be about personal questions, and and the first show of the month is really about the column column subject. I do want to stick to that format. Um, Make sure you guys also realize every month is always a listener's choice show uh, where you can call in and ask personal questions uh, to get the little couple-minute mini uh, navigational consultation. Uh, And we'll be able to catch maybe one or two of those at the end of the show today but uh, make sure again, you call in for for those shows when you're, when you're looking for personal questions to be asked, uh, just because again, I want to stay on I want to stay on theme. You know, a lot of people catch my show in archive. Uh, in fact, uh, the last show that I did uh, two weeks ago, uh, the archive is actually four hundred listens. people uh, People seem to love the astrology shows, so I'll probably add a few more of those to the mix as well. Uh, so people were catching my Jupiter and Gemini show. Anyway, if you miss any part of this broadcast, then really, I should go in, listen to any of the uh, archived broadcasts at your leisure at any, at any time. They're all up there. Uh, and also, just so everybody knows, I'm, I'm kind of in transition with my, my website. So if you go to my website and you can access uh, that info, it'll be up in a couple more weeks. Uh, if you're looking to get a personal appointment in uh, by phone or in person here in the office, you know absolutely. Uh, you know Just email me at VenturaSaj at Yahoo.com. And uh, we'll, we can uh, set up a uh, time for you to have a session, tell you a little bit of info about that. Anyway, so, uh, again, welcome everyone to the show, whether you're listening to me live or you're catching the show in archive. Uh, I do think this is an important show uh, because we're going to really talk about a subject that I think uh, is really a, a, a really helpful thing for people to begin to understand. Uh, I do do sessions with people on, on working on what I call chief negative feature which are uh seven primary fears and I've actually in, in past columns I've written about uh three of the the seven already this is the fourth of the uh the primary fears and we'll talk more about that after I read the column so I'd like to do a live column read uh and then again I'll talk a little bit more about this and uh a little later on we'll be able to take some some live calls uh, feel free to comment or anything in the chat rooms, but again, I do want to steer away from uh, for the first half of the show uh, for from from personal questions at this point, unless it does relate to this specific subject. Okay, guys. All right. Again, this is Jim Ventura. July 2012 column is called "Carry On Our Wayward Son." Uh, so here's my snake oil for the month. Uh, I've always enjoyed music. I grew up in a house where all kinds of music was played often. My mother listened to her large collection of albums during the daytime. My older siblings were frequently playing music in their rooms and had what my mom called concerts. In reality, more often than not, they were listening to music and smoking weed. Mom was oblivious to that part. They often used incense to cover up the smell. The sounds of America, Cat Stevens, Fleetwood Mac, Bread, The Stylistics, The Who, Led Zeppelin... And popular music on the radio is often a part of our world. If music wasn't coming from our home, it was coming from the radio in everyone's cars. I listened to pop music when I was a kid, but began to get brave and considered buying albums of the music I liked when I reached my teen years. I already had a collection of 45s. And if you're too young to know what a 45 is, it's a record of a single song. But I was ready to take the plunge into purchasing albums. Because of the tremendous musical knowledge in my family, this was a bit daunting to me. I finally got brave around the age of 14 and bought my first album. I bought an album by a group called Kansas that was only a few years old. It had songs like Carry On Our Wayward Son, Dust in the Wind, and Point of No Return. I was thrilled to buy my first album, but bringing the album home made me very nervous. What would my siblings think of my choice? My oldest brother saw me walk in the door and asked what album I had bought. Albums were far harder to hide than CD versions that came out in the mid-80s. My oldest brother rarely ever even acknowledged my existence, but but because he probably thought he could borrow my album if it was one he liked, he got nosy. I hesitantly showed him my purchase. He looked at it and mildly grunted with no comment. I was extremely uncomfortable and felt he was judging me and finding me lacking in my musical purchase. This wasn't the first time I felt I had been judged by a family member. i would experienced this many times before from neighbors, classmates, and family as well. Childhood is when our chief negative features first surface. These are seven different primary fears that create blocks to happiness. Most human beings have two of them by the time they reach adulthood. I experienced a little bit more of judgment than most people do, and it triggered a fear of inadequacy and subsequent fear of vulnerability. My first album purchase was one of many experiences that created my acquiring a chief negative feature of arrogance. Arrogance has its positive expression being pride and its negative being vanity. I became aware of what arrogance actually was and how it was blocking me at around the age of 20. I was very lucky to have found some excellent channeled material that talked about the stumbling blocks of chief negative feature. This material is called the Michael material, by the way. I began to work on putting a stop to the problems, arrogance, grades for everyone who acquires it, and made some real progress on minimizing its hold earlier than most people do. While only approximately 15% of the population has this fear, in my practice of navigational consultations, the percentages rise to about 35%. We're actually not born with our chief negative features. They're not part of who we are. Still, because fear is such a powerful trap in this world, it is nearly impossible for us not to get pulled into one or more of these as we develop into adults. I, of course, was no exception to the rule. In the case of arrogance, criticism and judgment in early conditioning is more than most children can handle. Love feels conditional in the home and in the world around them. Early experiences create a dread of being judged and compared Children who develop this fear decide that there is something wrong with them. This produces an attempt to act as if they are indifferent to all of the judgment. They either act as if they don't care about what others think, or they work to develop a false personality that will make everyone around them think they are great or special. This urge to cover up the pain and to shine brighter than others has a value. Many who develop this fear become quite smart, attractive, beautiful, funny, or anything else that might make people like them. They develop a heightened ability to scrutinize the world for anything that might bring scorn upon them. This can create some extremely observant, sharp, and attractive people. Unfortunately, it also creates a constant fear of vulnerability and true shyness. Arrogance can be seen by others as an individual who either brags too much or wants to hide who they are. Usually there's a bit of both of these things operating at different times. I struggle in my early teens and early 20s with Arrogance. I didn't believe I was attractive physically. I worked to resolve this by working at it, even tanning obsessively for a short time. I thought the suntan would clear up my teenage acne. I did everything I could to make myself look better, although I was popular and had a number of friends. At the same time, I had a number of areas in my life where I was painfully shy. In my teen years... My fear of being judged and laughed at was so bad that when I was around 18, I remember walking into a party and hearing someone laughing in the distance. I couldn't even see who it was, yet my distorted sense of self-worth convinced me that they were laughing at me and what I was wearing. All right. Okay, I also remember walking down the street late at night when I was around 16 and some drunk idiot in a car with some other teenagers threw a beer can out the window that almost hit me. I was convinced that he threw it because I was hideous. Arrogance initially starts out with experiencing too much judgment and criticism by others. In time, it progresses into not actually needing anyone to judge you to trigger a fear, a feeling of inadequacy. This is carried out expertly inside the self. Situations that have nothing to do with anyone judging you are met with a response as if there were this were actually the case. The Arrogance Dragon... It the art of making you feel bad about yourself. Often it pushes you to feel judgment when no one, no one is actually judging you. All people who develop this fear become hypercritical of themselves and others. Like all chief negative features, this does have some benefits. Often the critical eye makes for some exports, experts who have tremendous skills because they're extremely sharp and uh, have extremely sharp observation skills. The drives to succeed or look really good can create some extremely talented and even beautiful people. Witness talk shows with people who are picked on, unattractive nerds return to confront their abusers and now look stunning. The problem is that while outwardly these people afflicted by arrogance often look or sound good, inwardly there is still a scared child who can become obsessive about getting rid of any flaws anyone might see in them. They fear vulnerability and often find themselves Uh, mating with people who inevitably leave them because they hard parts in themselves from the people they are close to. They create false personalities that they hope will give them the approval they always desired. This can cause them to lose touch with being authentic. Like all chief negative features, the fear voice convinces you to cling more to its bad suggestions in hopes that it will help you. I myself followed many of these classic arrogance patterns. In addition to fearing that it was ina- I was inadequate physically, I had other demons i struggled with shame around my sexual orientation. My Catholic upbringing and fear of rejection heightened this fear. I was studying philosophy, metaphysics, and all kinds of advanced things at a young age. Yet I feared that people would disapprove of these things and think I was even more of a weirdo if they found out. Because I developed this chief negative feature, I have tremendous understanding and compassion for people struggling with arrogance. Part of the process of breaking from this dragon is to realize that people are too self-absorbed to pay much attention to us in the first place. To heal the arrogance, dragon, or fear, you have to face it head-on and risk being vulnerable. This is the very thing the fear will repeatedly tell you is most dangerous to your survival. This is one of many tools that can release us from its grip. I made great progress on conquering my arrogance at a fairly young age because I was blessed to have the tools to combat it. Many of the things I feared made me inadequate turned out to be the very things that made me valuable. When I broke the grip of this fear, I began to see things differently. My sexual orientation was a gift. Being gay makes it easier to work with women. They tend to feel safe and trust someone isn't going to try to sleep with them. In addition, this part of me enables me to have a more balanced awareness of male and female perspectives. When it came out about my spiritual studies, it helped a lot of people, and it opened up the door to a career that I love. All the things that the fear convinced me were bad turned out to be good. I recently listened to my Kansas album. Now I actually have it on CD. It's a really good album. It was a pretty brilliant choice in early music for a 14-year-old. For anyone with this chief feature, when you accept who you are and risk vulnerability, you will find yourself getting happier and far more peaceful. I believed I was too much of a weirdo, but that was my gift, not my curse. At some level, we were all a bit odd. Yet, when we let our individual music out, the world inevitably sounds and looks a hell of a lot better, because we did. Okay, so anyway, that was my column. I guess this was kind of a bit of a long one. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, I see some people jumping into the chat room. I'm sure we got more people listening live. Welcome everybody to the show, except for Freeride Radio because that person is obviously obnoxious. <laughs> no, that's my friend Joanne in the chat room being a wise ass. Uh, so if you're catching in the archive, you can't see her wise ass comments. I'm not going to repeat them and save you the uh, and save everybody the uh, and save everybody the <laughs> save everybody the pain. Uh, no, anyway, uh, she's a, she's a wise ass. She's allowed to do that. Friends are allowed to be sarcastic that that exists in our world anyway so yeah there's a bit of a long piece but i think it was a good one i wanted to write this for a long time but uh you know it's tough to begin to explain the concept of chief negative feature um in a brief way It, it really is uh something that is uh really really complicated um I had mentioned this, and I'll repeat this as well, too, uh, a little bit in the piece, but just so everybody knows, um, for the most part, you're going to get one or two of these. Uh, they're going to they're emerge during childhood. Uh, typically, they don't really tend to lock into place as a permanent fixture until usually around the age of 18. That's why you can actually see, it's interesting, anyone who's, who has got parents and uh, everyone who's a parent and has teenagers knows that, you know, it's like one week your kid, you know, a 13-year-old can be uh, impatient, and then the next week they're self-deprecating, and then the next week they're arrogant, and, you know, it's like the next time they're stubborn. So they end up kind of flying through <laughs> all these different uh, these experiences and, and really are a pain in the ass, of course. But what's interesting to me is when I really began to learn this stuff, it was uh, funny how many people will hold tightly the very thing that's causing them problems. Let me give you guys a quick rundown of the basics of the seven chief negative features, Then we'll talk a bit more about arrogance specifically. Because like I had mentioned in the piece, you know, the clients that come to me seem to have a higher amount of of people with this chief negative feature than with uh, some of the others, and I really know why that's the case. Uh, Arrogance does tend to be kind of introspective in some ways as a fear, so that often will be uh, helpful on people's spiritual path, even though the fear itself is not helpful. So the seven, and they all kind of break down fairly evenly, although the most common of the chief negative features is stubbornness. Uh, And they really, again, they, they come out of certain childhood experiences that we go through. So stubbornness, as an example, is a fear of change. Uh, its positive pole is determination. Its negative is obstinacy. People who develop stubbornness typically have um, experiences where they're not prepared for life's changes. And then later on as adults, it's like the parents break up and nobody told them or they're moving. and The parents don't tell them that they're moving and you're six years old and you're suddenly being moved to a different school. You know, um, what will end up happening is uh, the children will often develop stubbornness, um, which will make them hang on tightly to something even if it's not good for them. Because it's again, it's kind of a deep uh, process of being fearful of, of change itself. You know, it's the parents making the kids sit at the table. You're going to eat those peas, and you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to bed until you finish your peas. You know, the parents act like children too. Then, of course, um, the other uh, there's impatience, which is a fear of being victimized by time. Uh, that one uh, really a lot of times comes from really one parent having that. Uh, chief negative feature, and then you kind of absorbing it almost. Uh, children who are rushed around. Uh, children have no sense of time, obviously, <laughs> which is a, is a curse and a blessing. But uh, So they're rushed around, and inevitably they develop uh, this kind of endless battle with time. And, you know, patience has its positive pole being daring, and its negative pole being intolerance. Uh, then there's martyrdom which is a fear of being victimized. Uh, Martyrdom is another tough one because martyrdom comes, you know, often people who develop this this fear of being victimized uh, by just about anything uh, are actually early developers. They're often really sharp and really smart, and they kind of have a parent or or family members or people around them that sort of beat them up for being that giving and that smart and that developed. And then later on in life they end up kind of drawing people who proverbially shit all over them. You know, unconsciously. They don't want it, but they keep drawing it to them. Martyrs often have trouble saying no. Its positive pole of martyrdom is is selflessness, and its negative is is like being denigrated uh, or mortification. Then there is greed and uh, self-destruction. Greed is a fear of lack. Uh, This one develops uh, when uh, children are given substitutes. They need love. They need affection. They need mom's attention. They're given a maid. They're given a puppy. They're given money. They're given uh, they're given things to replace a lack of affection or acknowledgement, and then uh, they become fixated on certain things. You know, greed is not always about money. You know, some people are greedy about affection or recognition or acknowledgement. Um, uh, you know, Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. The greed was fixated on shoes. <laughs> so, uh, it, again, greed has its positive pole being appetite, its negative being voracity. Self-destruction, one of, of course, the more dangerous of chief negative features, has to do with uh, a fear of uh, lack of control. Uh, this one almost always develops from uh, abandonment, uh, severe abandonment usually in the case with self-destruction. Uh, sometimes it's actual abandonment physically. Sometimes it's emotional or psychological abandonment or abandonment of sanity from family, or friends around one. It's positive pole is sacrifice. It's negative is suicide. You know, I'm always telling people that we'll get into this at some point in a future column. I'm always telling people that addiction really, for the most part, actually comes from um, from often self destruction as a fear patterning. If you're if you smoke weed in high school or drink a bit in high school and college, you're not necessarily going to become an addict unless you happen to have this chief negative feature, by the way. Otherwise, it's actually kind of improbable. Uh, you'll you know, you'll smoke weed, you'll drink, and then you'll get tired of it, and you'll move on to the next thing. But people who develop these addictions usually typically have self-destruction as a fear. And then there's arrogance and self-deprecation. Arrogance I talked about in the piece. I'm not going to repeat what that's about. I'm going to get that into more detail in a minute. But self-deprecation, I'll mention that one. It's very similar to arrogance in some way. It's a fear of being judged. It's a fear of lack of self-worth. Uh, it's a fear of inadequacy. But the difference is, in both cases, in childhood, with arrogance and self-deprecation, there's a lot of judgment and criticism for the children in a way that they begin to decide that there's something wrong with them. And they fear being vulnerable. Uh, they feel they're inadequate. Again, shyness often typically develops. But the difference is uh, self-deprecators will sort of dive in to the loserness. Rather than fight it, they kind of develop a pasana that sort of says, don't expect very much out of me. I don't expect much out of myself. And they kind of shrink. Uh, you often, Anyone who's old enough to remember Mary Tarla Moore knows the character Rhoda Morgenstern played that theme out in spades. Uh, you even see this in... Uh, someone like Woody Allen, as an example. You know, self-deprecators are hiding in pictures behind other people. They kind of often hold their head a little bit low. They don't feel they deserve very much. So the, the, the two fears develop kind of initially the same way, but the difference is arrogance will kind of get cocky as a means of, rather than dive into, quote, unquote, being a loser, what arrogance will do is say, no, no, I'm not a loser. I'm actually secretly special. Or I'm great. Or no one doesn't underst- People don't understand how amazing I really am. And the arrogant person will try to sell themselves on that idea, and also then tend to drum through hoops to get to make themselves look good, to be really smart, to look good, to be attractive, to be funny. To you know what I mean? Uh, it becomes almost this obsession. But you can always tell arrogance. It's always an interesting chief feature to observe because the only truly shy people in actuality are arrogant. Even self-deprecators aren't as shy as, as people that are arrogant, because self-deprecators will really often advertise their quote-unquote loserness. <laughs> They're not losers, by the way, but they believe that they are. Where arrogance will have circumstances where they just become painfully shy or, or kind of pull into a corner. And I worked on my, uh, my primary chief negative feature is arrogance, and what I call my backup secondary, which is what most people develop, is actually impatience. I did a piece some years ago uh, called Move It, Marla. You can read that piece if you get my uh, my first book, Snake Oil, Volume 1. And it's a great piece. I talk about impatience, which I largely got from my mother because uh, she was an impatient maniac, and I absorbed it. But uh, I was lucky because, again, I, I had gotten this information about what these things even were and began to work on them at a young age, uh, and uh there was definitely uh some 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 value in that obviously uh but one of the things that I always tell people also is you gotta kind of remember you will never really actually get rid of your chief negative features. I know that sounds kind of pessimistic uh but what you're really really attempting to do is just weaken its hold one when you realize what it um what it's actually doing. And I, you know, in some of the, the books I've read, they call it uh, hugging your cactus, meaning we often cling tenaciously to the chief negative feature and hope, some, and hope that in some way it's actually going to help us. Uh, so well, 50% of the battle is to become aware of what your chief negative feature is and know what it's doing, because in actuality it will just block your happiness. So, again, you can't fully get rid of it, but you can minimize it so much that it becomes such a minor part of your personality and not really something that's in control of your life. Uh, the beauty of doing that is, you know, all of the chief negative features, strangely enough, have a little bit of a charm to them. Uh, you know, arrogant people often are, um, are often uh, kind of almost sarcastic or a bit funny about it in, in that respect. They're often playful about uh, uh, the humor behind it. Uh, of course, again, a lot of arrogant people uh, become attractive, you know, physically. That's that of obsession with I'm going to look good, so no one will see that I feel like a piece of shit, you know, um, or smart or talented. You know, self-deprecators are amazingly humble. Um, by the way, I didn't. I don't think I mentioned the positive and negative pole of self-dep. Positive pole is humility, and its negative pole is abasement. Uh, Self-deprecators—the charming part of a little bit of it—is they, they 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 can defer to others. They don't have to take center stage. They're willing to be in the background a little bit. You know, we do need some of that. We can, everyone can't be the 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 the, the rooster. Um, greedy people, you know, again, when the greed is under control and it's just in a small uh, small way, have an appetite for life. They're enthusiastic. They're inspired. They're often really cool because they get gung ho about the things that they like. Uh, self-destruction, that's a tough one. Uh, when it's mild, again, it's positive pole sacrifice. So people in self-destruction can be very giving and very devoted in some ways to the things that they love and that they care about. Um, martyrdom, of course, it's, it, when it's mild enough, are, are people that are givers. You know, they'll stay up late and bake cupcakes for the bake sale. They, You know, they're, they're very giving in that way. Uh, impatient people are ballsy. And impatient people are always funny because they're the type of people like you'll be waiting in a in a supermarket and there's a bunch of employees standing around and there's huge lines and the impatient person is the one that's like, excuse me, can we like you know get someone to actually work here, you know like the all New Yorkers maybe uh, <laughs> and people from Jersey, I think that the numbers go up with impatience there, um, you know and secret and you know impatient people are maniacs but people are also silently applauding. The big mouth who actually had the balls to kind of say, "Hey, can we do something here?" And uh, and stubbornness, when it's mild, uh, has a has a determination. They're they're devoted. They tend to stick to things. Uh, they'll stay in jobs. They'll stay in relationships. They're they're consistent and they're often loyal in that way. And uh, that that can be a useful commodity. Problem, of course, again, is when these chief negative features become so much a part of your personality that they literally run the show of your life, meaning that you end up kind of getting, you know, browbeaten by it in that sense. Uh, you know, for me, uh, with arrogance being the primary that, that I developed, I had all kinds of things that I could, you know, that I came up with that made me kind of a, a freak show in my own mind. Of course, I didn't want anyone else to see that. But... uh it was funny because as I did work on this, uh, I began to realize that the things that I was ashamed of, or that I was hiding, or or uncomfortable, were really, again, were the things that actually made me unique and and made me special. You know, a lot of people listening to this of co- this show, whether you're listening to it live or catching it with some elements of uh, or catching it in the in the uh, archives, uh, will understand that you know because a lot of you guys are already metaphysical. You know that. You know, it's not always easy necessarily to be a metaphysical person. Um, and if you work in an office and, you know, everybody there is, is Mormon or very religious or, you know, if you've got a religious family or, you know, uh, people sometimes think you're a little bit weird or you're a little bit odd. So um, I think a lot of metaphysical, spiritual people go through this particular fear as well, too, because those uh, the interest in expanding your philosophy and your perspective is not really something, especially at a young age, that society supports. It's often seen as kind of odd. Um, And uh, so, you know, but the the good news for everybody is, and this is what I would like to say, all the chief negative features can be conquered, meaning you can gain control of it and understand what it's doing. Um, I do sessions with this, of course, and I've done many sessions with people on working on chief negative features. I very much enjoy doing this work. Although it's funny because I have to tell people when they come in for a session, whether they come into my office or they uh, come in and they do it by phone, I have to tell them to be prepared that I found in the past that I probably would lose about 20% of the people that started the Chief Negative Feature work um, because their fear convinced them at some level that it wasn't good for them to do this. This is how seductive the fear voice can be. Uh, You know, arrogance, again, of course, will tell you there's something wrong with you, that you're a weirdo, that that it's dangerous to be vulnerable. Um, It's better to hide at some level or to create a false personality and and become larger than life. Uh, You know, self-deprecation will convince you to stay small. Stay small, stay small, stay small. Uh, Don't, don't, you know, don't rise out of your little cocoon. If you're small, you're safe because you're going to screw up. I had a client once that came... Strong self-deprecation is her chief negative feature. And it was raining that day, and she came to my home office. And when she came in, she apologized. First thing she does, apologize to me for the fact that it was raining. And I laughed because I said, um, "One, I didn't realize that you were in charge of the weather." And two, you're the one that had to come to my office in the rain. Um, I'm here in my cozy office, and it's raining out. Like, you know, we live in Arizona. Rain is like a dream of happiness for us. So she was just so used to apologizing, and that's what the voice of of self depth will do. It'll try to convince you to apologize uh, for things that you shouldn't have to apologize for. Uh, You know, uh, greed is uh, voracious in that sense when people with greed sometimes can't even get out of their own way. It's like the kid on the playground, you know, someone brings in cookies and the kid takes half of them. Uh, people in greed, when it's extreme, they, can't, they don't even realize that this obsessive compulsive of acquisition of whatever it is that they want could make them very, you know, yucky to be around. Uh, of course, self-destruction, the voice of self-destruction, convinces them to go into excess, and to slowly slowly or quickly destroy themselves. You, know, you see a lot of celebrities, John Belushi, John Candy, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, a lot of people that had self-destruction, a lot of creative people. Uh, but again, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, with self-destruction, it can kill one, a person. Uh, martyrdom, of course, uh, is just its like an unconscious magnet to drawing people who will crap all over you. And then the martyrs martyrs martyrdom can be funny because you you can't you can't you you give till it hurts and then you become secretly angry at the people that you're giving to at some level uh so martyrs can get a little sadistic in their sense of wanting to punish for all the hurt that was done to them uh and then martyrs sometimes will kind of polish their trophy of shitty experiences that they had uh impatience of course the 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 problem with impatience is is accidents and um, mistakes and pissing people off and you know cutting people off in the freeway and 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 you know jamming your kneecap on the coffee table when you're running out the door and being late or being too early and trying to rush bowel movements and all kinds of ridiculous things and then stubbornness that the voice of stubbornness will convince somebody really obsessively to hold on to something tightly even if it's terrible you know you'll find someone with stubbornness that will keep a bad job because they're not they're not they're not gonna they're afraid of looking for another one, they're not letting them fire me here or'll we'll stay in a bad marriage so uh you can see what these chief negative features do, but again, in your mind, they sound like the thing that no one's gonna make me you know do this and you'll hold on kind of tightly so uh that is again obviously the case with arrogance all right we we've got about ten more minutes here. I do want to open up the phone lines if anybody i said I would do this and uh I will if anybody has a specific question or something uh relating to this or anything got about ten more minutes, so the call in number here is one six four six two hundred three nine six six if you're catching the show live, I will be able to take probably one call uh one six four six two hundred three nine six six otherwise, we'll continue on with this subject um again, I want to uh I've got a couple of comments in the chat room uh welcome demi Fox, welcome Free Ride radio we 've had a few other guests, people kind of jumping in and out here uh, but uh there 's some some comments going on in the chat room but i but they 're mostly <laughs> sarcastic and uh and that 's okay yeah, you know what I, I i was I was lucky because I also grew up in a family I grew up in New York, and I grew up where a certain amount of sarcasm could be a valuable thing. Uh, my arrogance helped me develop a very very sarcastic tongue. Uh, which I still have to this day. I, my joke is, I always say I, I still don't. Um, I would never want to fight with me. I'm, I'm such a I'm such a mouthy prick in that sense. But uh, by the same token, um, I actually can take. Salt back, like I can throw it out, I could take it back i'm not a I'm not a baby that way, so I was lucky in that sense, we kind of had a sarcastic family uh but uh I know for me uh when I was a kid it was it was tough, it wasn't the sarcasm, it was the judgment you know a lot of it for me also was I got a lot of extra attention from my mother, uh my siblings would often get irritated about that, that I got more attention from from mom. Uh, imagine that, uh, the the gay boy getting more uh, acknowledgement attention from his mother. Call the presses. What a rarity. Uh, <laughs> so not, not exactly an uncommon uh, process. And uh, I got a lot more attention from my mom. I was able to manip- manip- manipulate my mom better. So a lot of the judgment and crap I got from my siblings was them being angry that they were uh, not getting the same attention and the, and the same acknowledgement. So that was one of the reasons that they tried to, quote, unquote, beat me up. Or make me feel bad about myself Uh, anyway so uh, but uh, I I sort of developed a protective dynamic of one of the things that I developed uh, aside from working at obsessively and you know becoming uh, you know physically attractive so I'd feel safer that way is I developed a very sharp tongue which again later on turned out to be useful in terms of humor but uh, when I was younger, I used it a lot as a defense mechanism. Now my humor is less a defense mechanism, more, because I really do like to laugh at life, including my own uh, my own ridiculousness as well, too, and point that out in others, and I think it's healthy. Uh, okay, so let me comment. I, I'm getting some comments in the chat room. So I know we get a lot of people, again, catch a show in the archives, so I want to make sure my, my commenters in the chat room get their, their spot in the sun as well, too. So Freeride Radio has been saying, that's because you're a mama's boy, correcto mundo. Uh, let's see, Demi Fox is saying, I think judgment is in the cosmos these days, or the healing from the perception of judgment. It's all about perception. Uh, excellent point, Demi Fox. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's something I think I would even love to devote an entire show to. Uh, I think there is a tremendous amount of, I've actually been talking about this with a lot of people, there's a tremendous amount of like um, uh, mudslinging going on. Everybody's trying to find someone who is to blame, uh, and you can see this politically in, in the most blatant kind of a way. Uh, Romney's the evil one. Obama's the evil one. Uh, you know, they, they, everyone's got this this thing of of throwing out, trying to find uh, who is the the the, the bad one. Uh, and right and and Demi uh, Fox is saying that it 's about you know a victim consciousness absolutely when people feel they 're victimized they 're more likely to kind of come out swinging so it 's one of the things that i 've been saying because I keep i know even on facebook uh, by the way, you can friend me on Facebook. I do a lot of extra posts there as well but uh i I see this all the time. people are putting all these different political things uh on, on Facebook, and I have to laugh because. What I mostly see is everyone kind of, again, looking for a scapegoat and very arrogantly claiming that they're on the quote-unquote right side and that everyone else is on the wrong side. And to me, the only solution is unity, is is finding middle grounds and coming together. You know, you're not going to win by uh, the Republicans winning. You're not going to win by the Democrats winning. You're going to win by finding an independent approach to solving problems and issues in a a neutral way so that it's best for all. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Demi Fox is writing, duality is silly. And I agree. Uh, People are really, to me, they're very, very weak that way. Even, you know, we can take this back around to the arrogance issue. You know, what's, what's funny is arrogant people will often convince themselves that everybody is evaluating and judging them. And while initially this can actually be true, later on in life, you often find that you know you just thought people were judging you, I mean, like when I was in high school, I remember uh thinking that the Jocks were judging me as a loser, the stoners were judging me as a loser, you know, and in reality, no one was even noticing me <laughs> because I was like the invisible guy. I remember sort of kind of hiding in that respect, even in high school, waiting for it to be over with. <laughs> Uh, so uh it 's interesting how how that operates because that that 's one of the things that that will break you from this fear is that recognition that no one 's really even paying that much attention. You know this is just something you 've convinced yourself of, and you know getting back to the political thing, you know America itself is kind of a somewhat arrogant country you know we We definitely have things to be proud of uh, there are things about America that are really kick ass and awesome. But I know it makes people uncomfortable to hear this, but we're not necessarily the greatest country in the world. We're a good one, but we've definitely got an arrogance about us. I think a lot of people in America kind of convince themselves that everybody wants to be an American or wants to be here. Nothing could be further from the truth. There are people that would love to be in this country, people that would love to be here, people that that try to. There's also people that love their countries, and they're perfectly content, and they're perfectly happy there. It's very arrogant, uh, that that people will will tend to do that 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 cockiness that comes out uh... that you're convincing yourself we are the quote unquote greatest country in the world and you know, they're they're you know they're, they're again there are amazing things about this country but there's also some things that are really kind of ass backwards as well and uh... hopefully we'll we'll fix those to me that's the that's the idea you can you can keep bitching and you can keep complaining or you can begin to look at solutions. That can reasonably work for everybody. So uh, one of the things I'd like to bring up, and I've got a couple more minutes here, but I'd like to bring up among uh, metaphysical and New Age people, there is something that I think I I brought this up before, but I call it spiritual arrogance. Uh, Often when you're very metaphysical and you're very philosophical, you're smart and you're wise, but we always have to remember that we want to also keep that in check in a healthy way because you can learn something from everybody. Even, uh, even you know, uh, arch thieves, criminals, difficult people can be bearers of wisdom. Uh, we always can learn from them. I, I've said this before probably on previous shows. I mean, sometimes I'm humbled in the, in the best possible sense of that word, even just being around someone that's retarded or someone that is mentally slow because I sometimes think that they might actually be happier being that way. That maybe thinking so much <laughs> and being so analytical is is really truly a pain in the ass at times too. Uh, sometimes there's a wisdom that that can come through simplicity. And you know, it's funny because we can. I mention this here too because my friend Joanne is in the chat room from Freeride Radio. By the way, that's the other radio show we do that about once a month now, which is about teaching people how to gamble for next to nothing. It's funny because I get a lot of people that will say to me. Uh, You know, how could such a spiritually evolved person like yourself, you know, uh, like going to a disgusting place like Las Vegas? And I would say, the reason that I like it is because it's not spiritual. I go to Las Vegas because I want to be a dummy for a couple of days. I want to smoke cigars. I want to gamble. I want to be kind of silly for a few days. And then I want to come back to my spiritual life and my spiritual world. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I, no, I don't perceive Vegas as a spiritual place. That's the very reason that I that I go to it once in a while. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Demi Fox is saying uh, that they fall into that, too, the spiritual organs trap. And then also Vegas is a learning experience. It is. You know, we get something from everything that we do and that we put our energy into. So, anyway, all right, looks like we're winding down to our last minute or so here. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, who has jumped in with your comments, Freeride Radio, Demi Fox. We had other few people jump in, in and out. Um, if you, you know, if, you got, uh, if you're got, if catching problems with your chief negative feature, I definitely recommend, you know, you can do a session with me on it. There's a great series of books called The Michael Material by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. Start there. You'll really learn about this in a tremendously powerful kind of a way. You can heal. You can fix this. You can be happy. You don't have to hold on to those fears. Uh, guys, my website is being redone for the next couple of weeks, but uh, but uh, you can still get information by contacting me directly at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com to get added to the free monthly newsletter. I'll be back here next week. And we've got our interview show with Marin Nelson, who does a form of rebirthing. Really cool stuff, guys. Uh, Definitely check it out. I had it done years ago. Uh, She'll be talking about that next week. And then the week after, I'll be in Vegas. And the week after that, I'll be back for some astrology and my uh, viewers' listeners' choice show. All right. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for, for listening today. This is Jim Ventura signing out from, uh, from uh, Blog Talk Radio and Snake All Radio. Have an awesome Thursday, and we'll catch you all next time. Peace.